I'm excited today to get in the Word. I'm looking at my time going, okay, we've got some good time. This message today, I just, as I was preparing, I just thought, man, if we had three hours, don't worry, I'm not locking the doors yet, but it's just one of those messages. So I just want to say, if you don't have a Bible, just put your hand up. I want to make sure that you've got a Bible. If your neighbor has a Bible, this isn't school. It's okay to look at your neighbor. You're not cheating. You can look at your neighbor as they have a Bible. So if you don't have a Bible, just put your hand up. Pastor John's got some Bibles. they got tabs. So you can see that where we'll be. We'll be in two passages today. Let me begin by saying this. Exodus 14 is my favorite chapter right now in the Old Testament. Now I say that because some of you laugh. You've been with me for a while. Every chapter I read is my favorite chapter. Yeah, I'm a pastor. I'm an evangelical pastor. I love the Word of God. Every chapter is grand. It's great. But... Exodus 14 is so great. It's, it's very close to me. It, it's, it, right now it's my favorite because there's Isaiah 43. Isaiah 43 is great. There's Psalm 103. There's Psalm 119. There's great passages in Scripture. But Isaiah, I'm sorry, Exodus 14, it has it all. Exodus 14 is so beautiful. It has the great themes. They all converge in this chapter. Promise fulfillment, faith, obedience, knowing God, deliverance, worship. It's all here in Exodus 14. Exodus 14. In fact, I've got here on a slide, you'll see some of the reasons why this chapter has been profound. That's why we've been doing three weeks just on this chapter. A couple things. We've begun in Genesis with sovereign foundations. That He is a God God of promise. He will provide. He is the God who does all these things. He's sovereign. And then we have in the beginning of Exodus that He is one who sees. He hears their needs. And then Exodus 6. He's the one not only who speaks to man, but the words He uses. And out of that, we see God's love and promise in action to His people for His glory. Very important to know about God. God is all about not just being God up above and just saying, I'm the ruler, you're the little people. He's all about fulfilling His promises in action to His people for His glory, for the fame of His name. And we see that in Exodus 14. Another thing that's very huge is this. The story, and in fact, I want to encourage you to write some of this down because this is key, especially this line here. The story of deliverance that occurs when God steps into human experience. And that's the beauty of Exodus 14. God is all about not just saving His people from afar, but He steps into human experience. And that's His delivering way. And then we see that in the cross. Remember, the Old Testament is incomplete. It points to the cross. It's all about looking at the cross. And we'll see that as we go through this sermon series, The Way of the Cross. Another thing, and this is huge for me, it teaches me about worship and servitude. We see this so huge where this Hebrew word serve is also worship. It teaches me about worship. What is my alliance, my allegiance to worship? And we see this in the cross. The cross is all about worship. Another thing is we see the reality of Yahweh. Remember Exodus chapter 6, where he says, I'm going to show myself now as Yahweh, and you'll experience me in this way by what I do. So the reality of who God is, now the name takes greater meaning. We especially see it as it points to the incarnation. Jesus takes greater meaning. And again, Exodus 14, I would say, is the most celebrated event in the Old Testament. It's just, it's all over the place. In fact, I've been preaching out of what I keep saying, my Exodus Bible. No, it doesn't say Exodus on my Bible. But this Bible, as you know, I have certain Bibles where I do specific studies with. And this is from my old school. I kind of commandeered it. It's from the, the Trinity Evangelical Divinity School chapel. They got new Bibles. So they had a bunch of them. They had old ones. And this was in the lost and found. So I grabbed it and gave a buck to the school to say, hey, thanks for giving me a Bible. And so this is my Exodus Bible. And what I've done 
This theme in Exodus 14, here's my Exodus tab right here. Here's Exodus 14. I have taken a red pencil and have highlighted every time Exodus 14 shows up. Just Exodus 14. And you can kind of see this. Maybe I'll, get it, I'll print this off so you can see more specifically. Look, at this is just Exodus 14. Exodus 14. Exodus 14. Exodus 14. It's everywhere. It's, and I'm, whoop, I just lost the tab there. It's, it's the most celebrated event of the Old Testament. It's like this. Exodus 14 is the gospel message of the Old Testament where in the New Testament, Exodus 14 is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Exodus 14 is pointing to the final and great deliverance of our sins in the cross. Pointing to then that final vindication in Revelation. Exodus are the Gospels in the New Testament. Whereas Deuteronomy, I would say, is the Romans of the New Testament. And we'll get into that another day. Another thing, Exodus 14 is the basis, and as I've done this today, I've realized every time Exodus 14 shows up, it's the basis of all these great themes in the Old Testament. In fact, take a look in your Bible at, and we'll, we'll get to this in a few weeks, take a look at Exodus 20. Does anybody know what Exodus 20 is famous for? The Ten Commandments. Thank you. Exodus 14. So we, we, you know, we've heard about the Ten Commandments. Hopefully in a couple of months you'll have the Ten Commandments memorized with me. We'll get this down. But listen, the Ten Commandments just doesn't start with saying, hey, obey, obey, do, don't, do, don't, kind of how you feel God is. Look at, look at, look at chapter 20. Look, this is just great. Chapter 20, verse 1 and 2. And God spoke all these words. Verse 2. Look at this. I am the Lord, Yahweh, your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Exodus 14. Because of Exodus 14, because I've saved you, I've delivered you, now, Ten Commandments. We have the basis of the commandments, and the law is based upon Exodus 14. He's a Savior. Other things. Knowing God is Exodus 14. Obey. Listen. Salvation comes first, then obedience, then the law. It's not reverse. It's not we've got to obey a bunch of stuff, then He'll save us. Exodus 14 first. And then out of that comes obedience. Exodus 14 missions because he's a saving god and we'll see this in scripture it's all about exodus 14 he's the savior's deliverer thus we must go out to the world to the highways and byways compel them to come in exodus 14 and ultimately worship this is all about worship exodus the old testament the new testament is all about not just being saved it's all about freedom so that we would know god and worship him fully Exodus 14 is unbelievable. It's my favorite chapter in the Old Testament right now. Right now. But truly it has these themes. Now as you see on this next slide, listen to this. Take this to heart. You've heard me say this before. Do you know God? It depends on how well, or do you trust God? It depends on how well you know Him. Because a lot of people say, oh, I trust God. Well, it depends on how well you know him. We're going to get into that in this chapter. Or to rephrase that is this. What is your view of God in the midst of need, suffering, pain? What is your view of God in the midst of need? Again, I answer that. It depends on how well you know him. And the primary way we know the Lord is is through His Word. And today, we are about to look at the greatest chapter, again, in the Old Testament. Let me pray before we dig in. Father God, we thank You for today. We thank You for the privilege of life. We thank You that You have given us the opportunity of freedom, the privilege of freedom, in this country where we can gather and worship Your name. And Spirit of God, I ask that you would truly work and move in our hearts today. 
I feel very inadequate to share upon this great, profound passage. So Lord, I ask that you would move through me and in me, move in our hearts, so we would ultimately come to trust you and worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, turn to Exodus 14, if you're not there already. And we begin, again, honestly, when I came to this church nine months ago, one of my thoughts was, I can't wait to preach out of Exodus 14. But to get there, I thought, I need to start with Genesis. So really, all that we've been doing as we've been going through Genesis and Exodus is all to get to today. We had to cover sovereign foundations. Know that God is sovereign. He's a provider. He's a God of promises. He chooses a person, then a family, then a nation. All these sovereign foundations, all these things that God is doing so we can understand more fully Exodus 14. The purpose of the Exodus is for His people to know Him by God fulfilling His covenant promises resulting in worship. That's what we've come to so far. In all the sermons we've been doing, it's all about worship. And we know that God is one who sees suffering. Exodus, the end of chapter 2, sees it. He sees the people. He's concerned about them. Chapter 4, 31 says the same thing. Chapter 6 says, finally, I will, I will, I will, so that you will know that I am God. I will, I will. Remember these sermons. Remember these passages about these sovereign foundations. And then in Exodus 14, let me just review this with two sentences. Number one, we saw that he is going to free the people from the enslaving power of Pharaoh to be slaves of God. It's this. No longer will they be in bondage to Pharaoh, but they'll be bonding to God. Because we're all made to serve someone, right? We're all made to serve someone. And he's about to free them. And also, take a look in, in Exodus, the main verse here, Exodus 14, 14. Remember this? The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Get that in you. Etch that into your memory. Soak it in you. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. And today, what I'm going to do is I'm going to read through Exodus 14, and we're going to look at three words. And here they are. See, fear, trust. See, fear, and trust. And these will be the main words that we will look at today. And I just want to say this. There is a kind of a pattern, a paradigm, kind of a setup and a structure in this passage, and I see this in all the Old Testament and the New Testament, with see, fear, trust. And it comes when people deal with hard issues, challenges or changes. See, fear, trust. It begins with the word see. People have issues. They come up, hard circumstances come up, and they see something, and that's the first part. We saw that a couple weeks ago. Take quickly look at Exodus 14, verse 10. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up. They see. They looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. All right? They see. Then comes fear. Okay? We have it in this passage here. Keep going. They were terrified. There's many kinds of fear. You see something and you become afraid. Now, when I was a little boy, I had a couple things that scared me. Snakes. I hate snakes. Not just because Indiana Jones hates snakes, but I hate snakes. That's why... The first gun I got to, was just mainly to shoot snakes. I hate snakes. I just... Now, th- th- that's a legitimate fear. Or, as a little boy, my dad worked in the factory. 
worked in the paper mill, and he would get home around 11.30 at night, had his 5 o'clock shadow, and he had his coffee breath, and he'd lay down on the couch, and sometimes I'd be awake, I'd sneak down by my dad, lay next to the couch, and he'd turn on the TV, and he loved, I'll give you the actors' names, and you'll know what kind of movies they are, Boris Karloff, Lon Channing Jr. So already you're laughing. He liked those black and white kind of monster movies. And I would sit there as a little boy, and right away he would fall asleep, and I'd be in his arms, and here's the monster movies. Whoa, I was afraid. That just got me. There's many things I was afraid of as a little boy. Those were legitimate. But as adults, we have many fears. Changes come, circumstances come, we see it, and we turn to fear. We have all types of fears. We have fears of specific outcomes, outcomes of family situations. Sometimes you have the f- a fear that, will this end in a divorce? Will this end in suffering in my family? Will there no longer be friendship? Will I get that phone call on Father's Day, Mother's Day? Will Christmas be tension? You have that fear. We have fear of finances. I mean, will I be able to make it this month? Will what I'm saving, will I have a 4 okay? I don't even know what 410, whatever those things are called. Stashed away when you retire, you can tell I get into that stuff. Thank you, 401. You know, you have these fears like, when I retire, will I have enough? I've got two more days to work. Will I, will I make it? We have legitimate fears of finances or the future. What will the future come? The Mayans were wrong. Okay, that was just really a symbol of the Oreo cookie, their calendar. Okay, that didn't work. What will the future hold? Listen, I know that some of you have legitimate fears of family, finances, and future. We also have emotional attachments that we can't handle the situation. A loss of a job. A loss of a family member. The loss of health. What happens when you hear those horrific words? Cancer. Fear. We have legitimate fears. We have anxiousness. We have phobias. What do we do when there's infidelity? What do we do when there's confusion? Listen to this. The great grief that a person can carry is this type of fear. It can be a grief. It can weigh on you, burden you. See, fear, and what's the last word? Trust. When we go through this, we see something, a challenge, a change, something that's an issue that's hard. We, we have a fear that's legitimate. It rises up, and we have a, then we are made to trust something. By instinct, or I would say by God's design, we are designed to trust something. The problem is, we many times want to trust ourselves. Why? Because I'm an American, and I can do it, right? I'm a male, and I can provide, and this is what I'm going to do, and I, can, I have always provided. We want to trust something. When issues come up, we want to trust our government. How many of you trust our government? Okay, not many hands have gone up. Okay. But we do. Even in election, I see people get... This election that came up, people were afraid because they wanted to trust the... And I realize your fear is based upon you really think that the government's the one that can save you, help you. What? Some people trust the government. Some people trust the bank. Some people trust their skills and abilities, and when their knee blows out, or when they have an issue where they can't work anymore, then what? Some trust their families. Some trust their health. See, fear, trust. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read through Exodus 14. Think and look and listen to words like see, looked, fear, afraid, terrified, trust. See how people react just in this chapter. And then I'm going to go through two different ways that people see fear and trust. Okay? So let me read Exodus 14. Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell the Israelites to turn back and encamp near Pihahirath, between Migdol and the sea. 
They are to encamp by the sea directly opposite of Baal Zephon. Pharaoh will think the Israelites are wandering around the land in confusion, hemmed in by the desert. Verse 4, huge verse of this chapter. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them. But I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and all his army, and the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So the Israelites did this. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds about them and said, What have we done? We have let the Israelites go and have lost their services. So he had his chariots made ready and took his army with him. He took 600 of the best chariots along with all the other chariots of Egypt with officers over all of them. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, so that he pursued the Israelites who were marching out boldly. The Egyptians, all the Pharaoh's horses, chariots, horsemen, and troops pursued the Israelites and overtook them as they camped by the sea near Pi. Hahirath, opposite of Baal Zephon. Verse 10. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you have brought us out in the desert to die? Why have you done this to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Did we not say to you in Egypt, Leave us alone, let us serve slash worship the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve, worship the Egyptians, than to die in the desert. Verse 13. Moses answered the people, Do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring to you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Then the Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the waters so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go after them. And I will gain glory through Pharaoh and all his army through his chariots and horsemen. The Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I gain glory through Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. Then the angel of the Lord, who had been traveling in front of Israel's army, withdrew and went behind them. The pillar of the cloud also moved in fr- front, from in front of them and stood behind them, coming between the armies of Egypt and Israel. Throughout the night, the cloud brought darkness to the one side and light to the other side. So neither went near the other all night long. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and all that night the Lord drove back the sea back with strong east wind and turned it into dry land. The waters were divided, and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. The Egyptians pursued them. All Pharaoh's horses and chariots, horsemen, followed them into the sea. During the last watch of the night, the Lord looked down from the pillar of fire and cloud at the Egyptian army and threw it into confusion. He made the wheels of their chariots come off, so they had difficulty driving. And the Egyptians said, Let us get away from the Israelites. The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea so the waters may flow back over the Egyptians and their chariots and horsemen. Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and at daybreak the sea went back to its place. The Egyptians were fleeing toward it. The Lord swept them into the sea. The water flowed back and covered the chariots and horsemen, the entire army of Pharaoh that had followed the Israelites into the sea. Not one of them survived. Let me just stop there. 
Wow. The gospel according to Exodus. See, fear, trust. There's two types. Let me talk about the negative first. The word fear has a range from horror, like me as a little boy watching all those Lan Chaney Jr. and all movies, scary movies, horror or honor. It's amazing that the word in Hebrew, fear, can have both horror and honor together. And we'll see that in the second part. Dread, fear. And in the first way, the negative way of seeing, fearing, trusting. The negative way, it is the spirit of fear. You are terrified. You are afraid. The Egyptians have that. The Israelites have that. Look, remember, look at verse 10. They saw and they were terrified. Again, remember they had spiritual amnesia. They, the Passover just happened. God delivered them. They are saved. They walk. They see something. Quickly, spiritual amnesia. They're terrified. Which leads to what? Spiritual suicide. They say, we would rather worship the Egyptians. Follow their ways. Fear. They have it. The Egyptians have it. And let me just say this on the side. I tried to write this out as, as, as best as I could. You can acknowledge the supremacy, the greatness of God, with no love for God. Because you notice in this chapter a couple times that the Egyptians say, the Lord is fighting. We now know that God is the one fighting for them. Well, do they know God? Let me say this. You can have a knowledge of God, an acknowledgement that He is supreme over all without no love for Him. You can have a knowledge of God without truly knowing Him. They now have the dread that all the enemies of God experience. Death. Every enemy of God experiences that dread. They have that fear. They fear the experience is negative because they do not love God. A.B. Simpson says this, Fear is born of Satan. And if only we would take time to think a moment, not have spiritual amnesia, to think a moment, remember, we would see that everything Satan says is founded upon falsehood. It all comes down to the question of this. What is the object of fear in this negative concept of fear? What's the object of fear? Here the object is the circumstance itself. This fear recognizes that man or man-made things can be trusted, and that's what will help them. I see something, I'm afraid, so now we're all made to trust, so I will trust something man-made. Turn to Jeremiah 17. Jeremiah 17. Jeremiah 17, 5 through 6. See, fear, they're afraid, they're terrified, and they quickly turn to man-made, man's ways. They think they can save themselves, so they trust other things. Jeremiah 17, 5 through 6. This is such a great passage. This is what the Lord says. Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who depends on flesh for his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. He is like a bush in, a, in the wastelands. He will not see prosperity when it comes. He will dwell in the parched places of the desert, in the salt land where no one lives. The look at me. The result of seeing, fearing, trusting this way results in death. You cannot make it. And truly, Jeremiah has this laid out. Trusting in man's way leads to death. And here it is. We see it all around us. People trust other things. 
people even trust religion, a church, to get them fixed. That will not do it. Man's way is not the way. But this is the gospel according to Exodus. Listen to this. This is not just liberation from Egypt, but it's liberation from fear and doubt to God. It's not being saved from something. It's being saved to someone. Remember that. It's not just being saved from something. Oh, they're in bondage, they're in suffering. Oh, you're free. No, it's not being saved from something. It's being saved to someone. And that's the Lord. Let me look at the positive way of see, fear, trust. And this is God's way. The first way was man's way. The last way is God's way. It's this. It's seeing something, fearing the Lord, and trusting Him. Let's go back to Exodus. Keep your finger there in Jeremiah because we'll go back to that. Exodus 14, verse 29. This is so grand. Listen to this. But the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. Verse 30. That day the Lord saved Israel from the hands of the Egyptians. And the Lord, and, sorry, and Israel saw the Egyptians lying dead on the shore. And here's the last verse of the chapter. Look at this. When the Israelites saw the great power the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and put their trust in Him and in Moses, His servant. The last verse, verse 31, has it. They saw the power of God. They finally fear the Lord and they put their trust in Him. Here we see that Fear in the sight of danger and panic changes them after God does His work. Finally, Exodus chapter 6 is fulfilled. He does it with might and power and saves His people. The awe and veneration of God that leads to worship. This is the fear of the Lord. And I've said this before, This kind of fear recognizes that God is the one who is our Savior. Not trusting man, but God. He is the one that can save. And I've said this over and over again, but here it is in this chapter. Do not let circumstances, you see, you fear, do not let circumstances dictate how you worship. Instead, let worship dictate how you live in your circumstances. Let the fear of God dictate how you live in your circumstances. This is the awe and fearing of the Lord. Again, it comes to the question, what is the object of fear? In the first part, man's way, the object of fear was this, circumstances. Fireballs are coming down from the sky. We don't know why. It's December 21st, the Mayans were right, we're all going to die. Or the popular thing today that most people, kids, high schools, college, oh, the zombie apocalypse is coming. That is what I fear greatly. Some of you are like, what are you even talking about? They fear circumstances. We are not to fear circumstances. We are to fear the Lord. What's the object of fear? First part, it was circumstances. The object here is the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord. Write this down if you're writing something down. Here is my definition of the fear of the Lord. A loving reverence for God. It's not just you're afraid and He's the big God. It's a loving reverence for God. A loving reverence for God that includes satisfying submission to His will. Because when we turn, and we'll see this as we go on, it's satisfying to follow His will. 
Because outside of that, there's death, pain, suffering. A loving reverence for God that includes satisfying submission to His will and His Lordship. Praise God He's in control, amen? Because if it was up to me, I would be dead by now. Trust me, I can tell you stories about me as a kid. It's amazing I'm alive. We are to trust Him. Fear the Lord. And here, listen to this. It is the great virtue that leads to trust and right behavior and life-giving benefits. Courage, strength, peace, all come from fearing the Lord. Again, let me say this again. It is the great virtue, the fear of the Lord, that leads to trusting, right behavior, and all the benefits the Lord has marked out in Scripture. Or as George MacDonald says this, how strange the fear of death is, because there is none when we're walking in His way. We are never frightened by a sunset. See, death, if you walk in the way of man's way, see fear See, tr- yeah, see, fear, trust. Death comes, you're afraid, you freak out. Sunsets come, oh no, darkness is coming. But if you do it in God's way, huh, how strange the fear of death is. We are never frightened at a sunset. Go back to Jeremiah. Jeremiah 17. What a great chapter. I'll read the first two verses, then we'll read 7 and 8. This is what the Lord said. Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who depends on the flesh for his strength, whose hearts turn away from the Lord. He will be like a bush in the wasteland. He will not see prosperity when it comes. He will dwell in the parched places of the desert, in the salt land where no one lives. That's man's way. Now, God's way of see, fear, trust. But blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. He will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when the heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It's like Washington there. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. This person is not letting circumstances dictate how they worship. Instead, they're letting the fear of the Lord worship dictate how they live in their circumstances. God is all about bringing glory to Himself. But what does this look like? How do we do this? This all sounds good. Okay, that's, that's, that's great. What does this look like? Let me read you a story out of D.L. Moody's devotional book. In the second century, they brought a Christian before a king. Have you ever seen the movie or heard of the movie Gladiator? Okay, this is the time where people are being thrown to lines and stuff. If you have the extra special edition, they'll show the scenes they cut out. Most of the scenes they cut out were Christians being thrown to the lions because that happened but they thought oh we don't want to put in the Christian stuff that's Hollywood so this is a time when persecution is great in the second century they brought a Christian before a king who wanted him to recant and give up Christ and Christianity but the man spurned at the proposition listen to this but the king said if you don't I will banish you the man smiled and answered you can't banish me from Christ For he says, he will never leave me or forsake me. The king got angry and said, Well, I will confiscate all of your property and take it away from you. The man replied, My treasures are laid up on high. You cannot touch them. The king, still more angry, said, I will kill you. Why? The man answered. I have been dead for 40 years. I have been dead with Christ, dead to the world, and my life is hid in Christ. You cannot touch it. What are you going to do with such a fanatic, 
said the king. You see, when someone lives in this realm of sea, fear, trust, all your possessions taken away, why? My treasure is laid up in heaven. You can, who cares? I'll be kicked out. You can't kick me away from Christ. Death? Praise God. Get me out of this place. I'm going home. That's the mindset of one who is in the Word, who has the fear of the Lord. Circumstances no longer is what shapes the river. Instead, it's God's sovereign hands and trusting in that, fearing the Lord. That is what guides that person. Or as the famous passage says this, Psalm 27, some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will trust in the name of the Lord our God. So how do you get into this position? What does it look like? What I want to do is let's take a look at all, these are just a few verses that we have of some of these. Psalm 40, 3-4. Listen to this truth. This is hopefully my way of helping you get to this side of realizing trust the Lord. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust, who does not look to the proud, to those who, we'll see the next slide here, It goes on. So that, that passage is great. <laughs> Bless the man. Oh, yeah. Who does not look to the proud, those who turn aside to false gods. That, that verse has it all. The next one, Exodus twenty twenty. Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. God has come to test you so that the fear of God will be with you to keep you from sinning. Look at this. Don't be afraid. The fear of the Lord is here. This will help you. This will strengthen you to keep you from sinning. The next one. Psalm 31, 19. How great is your goodness, which you have stored up for those who fear you, which you bestow on the sight of men, on those who take refuge. Trust in you. Some of these psalms, write them down. Memorize these. Soak these into you. Next one. No king is saved by the size of his army. No warrior escapes by his great strength. A horse is a vain hope for deliverance despite all its great strength. It cannot save. And then verse 18. But the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him, on those whose hope is in his unfailing love. See, this side, man's way, is trusting all the different things. It won't happen. But this side, the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him. Their hope is in him. The next one. The angel of the Lord encamps... I love Psalm 34. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he delivers them. Fear the Lord, you his saints. For those who fear him lack nothing. This is like the grand buffet of feasting for your soul if you deal with any anxiety or fear. Get these in you. The next one. Psalm 61. For you have heard my vows, O God. You have given me the heritage of those who fear your name. Trust in Him. He is the one that can save you. The next one. Surely his salvation is near those who fear him, that his glory may dwell in your land. Excellent. Another one. <laughs> Psalm 103. Go home and memorize this chapter. It's, it's, it's just unbelievable. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. He will bless. In fact, let's just take your Bibles. Psalm 115. Let's turn there. One of my favorite chapters in all of Scripture. Look at this chapter. This, Psalm 115. 
I'm going to start with verse 1. You can keep that up there. I'm going to start with verse 1. Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name be all the glory. Because of your love and faithfulness. Verse 2. Why do the nations say, where is their God? I love verse 3. Our God is in heaven. He does whatever pleases him. Psalm 115, verse 4. Now here's a big chunk here. Their idols are silver and gold, made by the hands of man. People trust these things. They have mouths but cannot speak, eyes but cannot see, they have ears but cannot hear, noses they cannot smell, they have hands but cannot feel, feet they cannot walk, nor can they utter a sound with their throats. Verse 8. Those who make them will be like them. So will all those who trust them. Look at me. You become like that which you worship. If you're trusting in all these things to save you, you'll become like that in the end that results in death. Then verse 9. O house of Israel, trust in the Lord. He is their help and shield. O house of Aaron, trust in the Lord. He is their help and shield. Verse 11. You who fear Him, trust in the Lord. He is their help and and shield. And then the Lord remembers us and will bless us. He will bless the house of Israel, the house of Aaron. Verse 13, that's up on screen here. He will bless those who fear the Lord, small and great alike. Do I have another? I don't think I have any more verses. I may, oh, I have Luke coming up here. Here, Psalm 145, he fills Fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He hears their cry and saves them. The next one, another, someone, yeah. The Lord delights in those who fear him, who put their hope, their trust in his unfailing love. And Luke 150. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. I believe that's the last of the verses I have up there. What does it look like? Look at those passages. How do we get there? Now this is, this, I maybe haven't penned this out the best, but listen to this. How do we get there? You trust and fear the Lord, and then all you see will be seen in trust. A death comes, you see that in trust, because you trust the Lord. You trust Him. We walk in and trust His Word. This is our guide. Let me give you an example. I remember one year I was in South America. We were in an orphanage. We were dealing with all these children. And this is an orphanage. It's called Ebenezer. And it's not the cleanest place there is. It's very dirty. It's, it's, it's full of boys who have a lot of issues. Uh, their brains don't connect really with their bodies. So there's a lot of drooling. And there's a lot of things that just, they're not functioning right. And it's a place where all the other orphanages kind of, when they can't deal with boys, they just give them to Ebenezer. Ebenezer just takes them. And it's just just poverty. I'll never forget my friend Eric was washing clothes one day and he goes, oh, what's in the pocket of this boy's pants? Some broken glass and a bone. He was like, well, if that's all you have to play with, I guess it's the joy of your life to play with these toys. And so these these boys are struggling. they're, They're having all these issues. And I'll never forget, my team was there. And when we go we try to do our best not to be the kind of people where you pump sanitizer, psh, don't touch the people, oh, there they are. That's just, that creates such a huge gap with the people. and just You can't really do ministry that way. So we, just, we try to be down with them and play with them. and They're climbing our lives, climbing all over us. and just It's fun. I remember walking with one boy, Roberto, and he was walking over here, and he, was, he had to go to the bathroom. So he just kind of just goes to the bathroom right there. No one's seeing this, and he just goes to the bathroom. And he had... Just when he went to the bathroom, he was going, and he got it all over his hands. And he's just kind of trying to get himself zipped up, so I'd help him get, 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 you know, get all proper, and it didn't work. And it was just, I was getting messy. And he proceeded to then to go to every person as we were saying goodbye, touching all the girls on their face, shaking their hands, you know, rubbing their hands. Oh, goodbye. You know, he doesn't say goodbye, but he was just saying goodbye. And I'm just going, wow. They have no idea what's just happened. Oh, my so we got into the little bus. It's called the Meeker. We got on this little bus, and I just said, hey, 
would you guys mind just washing your hands right now? And I never say that. I never say that. In fact, I'm kind of against that. You know, not that I'm, you know, I want my kids to be sick. You know, no, I'm just saying, we don't need, you know, we're cleaner than you, boo-hoo-hoo. No. I said, just wash, if you guys, and I remember Kimberly just looks at me and goes, yes. And she proceeds to just pump and do this. And I said, in fact, use water this time. They're just clean. Because sanitizer is just wash your hands. They're like, okay. Now, if they didn't, if someone would say, no way, I'm, what are you talking about? No, that, no way, I'm not doing that. And then they, we go out to eat, and they're eating food. I'd be like, oh, man, this is not working. No. Because this group knew me, because they knew that I would take a bullet for them in an instant, they knew I would, I would do anything for them. I would die for them. No problem. They knew that I was like that. They knew that whatever I would say, they wouldn't say, well, I question, why would you? Why would you? We trust you. And wash our hands. I never told them what happened because that wasn't probably the best thing to tell them. But they just trusted me and they did it. Because it was based upon their knowledge of me. They knew that I love them. And whatever I would say, do it. And they did that. We need to have that kind of trust in the Lord. We need to fear the Lord. Listen to this. To fear the Lord is to tremble at the awareness of what trouble and what terrible insult it is to a holy God if we do not have faith, we don't trust Him, in His future grace. After all the signs and wonders He has performed to win our obedient trust. John Piper. Basically saying, we need to, after we see what God has done, He saved, Exodus 14, the cross, He saved us. How could we not trust in Him? We need to trust the Lord. He is our strength. He is our security. What are we to do when we are afraid? Trust Him by have faith. Do we still have fear? I do. One of my great fears would be this. I fear most is my unbelief that I don't trust Him. I fear most is my unbelief not trusting God's plan, God's way of salvation found only in Jesus. Trying to do it myself, that will not do it. Listen, some of us, let me just end with this, some of us play games with our eternal destiny in this area of trust. We trust ourselves. we trust our ways, we trust religion, that leads to death. We need to trust the Lord his way of salvation. Luke twelve five says this Trust the one and I'm sorry, fear the one who in the end will cause your soul to go to eternal damnation. Exodus fourteen is the most celebrated and famous event in the Old Testament. The cross is the most celebrated talked about event in all of Scripture. Because yes, the Old Testament talks about Christ. And that is where we need to trust in the end. The cross is the most celebrated, most famous event in all of Scripture. And there are many things that we can be fearing today, but today, trust in the Lord. So where are you? What's the object of your fear? Circumstances? Man's way? Or is your object of fear the fear of the Lord? Trust Him. That is the plan, the way of salvation. Let's pray.